This podcast is brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation. Hi, my name is George Abraham and welcome to Iway Conversations. My guest today is Kiran Kaja, a techie who moved from Hyderabad to the UK and then to the US. Hi Kiran, welcome. Hi George, thanks for having me. Uh, Kiran, uh, so you are working with Instagram. So what is your role at a place like Instagram? What is your uh, brief as it were? Yeah, so I am my title is the accessibility program lead for Instagram um and I lead the accessibility program which is basically um aimed at making Instagram more useful for people with disabilities that includes um people who are blind or visually impaired but also people who are deaf and hard of hearing mobility impairments or you know any other kind of disabilities so i have i work with a, a team of um, cross functional designers engineers and uh, product managers um to build features into instagram but then i also work with the rest of the company uh, and put in processes and bring about a culture change within the company so that we think about the needs of people with disabilities as we build these uh, new features into into Instagram there are interesting ways in which we need to make media more accessible to blind people and people with disabilities and that's an interesting challenge that's one one reason i actually took up this role about 6 months ago before you came into instagram you were in another exciting platform called google and all of us use google search so what exactly were you doing at google <laughs> yes that was um i joined google in 2015 in the uk and then uh, in london when i was living in london and i moved here to the to california in the bay area in the headquarters uh, of google um when i kind of joined google in 2015 2016 they really did, were not looking at the accessibility of google search that much um so we had to, i had to start from scratch and build a again a cross functional team of engineers program product managers program managers and um uh designers to work on google search um and make that more accessible one of the things that screen reader users here may notice is changing the heading structure on the google search results page that was one of the features that we worked on based on research user research and feedback that we received from from users um i set up a team of nine folks uh, program managers uh, accessibility analysts and then also helped create a couple of engineering teams on google search and uh, google assistant which is also the voice assistant that's available on google home devices for example 
um, um, and I also did some work on you know, Google um, hardware products before I left in in uh, 2021. Yeah, so that was the making making sure that hundreds and hundreds of features that are on Google search because Google search, most of us, you know, actually think we'll just search for, for something on Google, but then also go to a third party uh, a website. But if you ask for cricket scores on Google, it actually shows you the scorecard right there on the homepage or the Google search results page. Um, same goes for f- sports results, weather, or uh, stock prices or any of that information that you know you would normally go to a, th- a different website to find google search is actually showing all of that these days and we kind of had to make work with teams across the across the world um, i used to work with i used to have team members that i was managing in here in mountain view bangalore and tokyo at the time as well as work with teams in korea other other places so that was an interesting mix of cultures you know different engineering products now you've been living overseas now in the uk and in um, in the us uh, for quite a few years now so uh, from a living independently point of view from a home point of view uh, you know how to, how has technology kind of eased your life at home for example I probably rely a little bit too much on technology. Um, it's an interesting example. So I used to live in a home um, that I really customized. I had um, a door lock that is smart, which means that I actually could open the door lock with my smartphone. And then there was a door a doorbell camera that would recognize who is at the door. So the Nest uh, camera. I had a microwave that I can say, ask the Google Assistant to microwave for two minutes. Um, uh, I think their technology has definitely made life a lot easier. Not just the not just the smart home technology, but you know, when we think about something like a white cane, to me that is that is a technology as well, right? So we've been. We've been using that technology successfully for over 100 years, um, but I think there are there are there are things that I use my smartphone to do that I wouldn't have been able to do things easily. For example, like looking up news is news. I'm a big news junkie, and then the first thing I do when after I get up is pick up my phone and check what's happening around the world. Um, I think. Living in 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 the UK and US, you tend to rely a lot more on public transport and things like Google Maps and navigation. That's a big area where um, I, I I use technology a lot, a smartphone a lot. Um, I just moved uh, to a new apartment in Berkeley, uh, in California, and then I'm not very familiar with all the streets around here. So I use the Google Maps app to find the post office because I needed to send something. And on the way, I also use this app called Blind Square on the iPhone, which actually tells me what's around, what's around me when I'm when I'm walking around. I think um, even in the West, in developed countries, 
there's a there's a huge difference in accessibility when i live when i lived in london i think that's probably for me the most accessible city there is and you know we met there george once i remember like uh you were visiting and we met at the victoria station and it was very easy for me to navigate there from reading which was actually like 50 miles or like 70 75 kilometers away um even though i had to take a bus a train and a metro to get to meet you so uh, that way uk is a lot more convenient when i moved to the us here in the bay area where all the silicon valley area is it's not that the public transport system here it is not that great um, there is some public transport but people rely a lot more on on cars so i had to rely on rideshare like uber without uber um uh and similar services i don't know what what we would be i think i don't think i'll have this, <clears throat> i'll have the same level of independence that i would i have now um i think so even even in the west it's it depends which area you're on i'm in berkeley now that's a lot more uh, accessible part of the bay area the Amer- there's a lot of history about disability rights activism here in berkeley the american with americans with disabilities act ada was kind of actually born in uc berkeley university of california berkeley and so the city is very they have accessible street crossings so if you press the button to cross a street it will tell you which street you're crossing and also have a have a sound when the when the you know pedestrian signal is green when i used to live in india i never was able to cross the road if you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness please share the iway national toll free helpline number 18 00532046 the number is 18005320469 Kiran uh, you've been working with uh, different corporates now and uh, as a visually impaired or a blind uh, professional when you get into the company for example at SAP labs uh were they kind of uh, kind of prepared with an accessibility accessible ecosystem or did you have to kind of uh, kind of negotiate and uh, uh, push for some kind of support within the uh, work environment and what was the experience in the other companies that you worked for in 2006 i am probably that was so when i joined sap that was 2006 um and i they really didn't have um at least in india sap didn't have uh sort of any sort of um i think they as i said they had an engineer who was my friend um um and but he moved from the us um but they were open to asking me about what my requirements were and what i needed in terms of support um and what what ended up happening at the time was if i needed say things like visual support like what's have what's going on on my screen it would be colleagues who would be helping um out and i think 
I think at that time when you're kind of in a new company in a junior position, like you you in 2006, you end up relying on that kind of support, like from your colleagues. But yet, no, at that time they were not really set up for that. But then they also had so SAP is a German company, and they had in Germany they had um, blind employees, and I also I had to re- ask them about how things were done and ironically i was working on accessibility and then some of the internal systems are not very accessible in these companies which is true even to this day um after what 16 years in different companies some of our internal systems that we have to use are not accessible um i think things have improved so by the time i got to google if i needed visual support i actually had um a visual support assistant so we don't have to i don't have to ask or rely on the goodwill of my colleagues um and also like at that time i was managing people and there's confidential information that i don't want my team members to see um and so on so it's still a work in progress even in um big companies um you still have to advocate for what you need uh which is which is unfortunate, but I think there is a recognition that people with disabilities are an integral part of the workforce. There are, you know, we need diversity amongst the employees. And given the right level of support, the, you know, people with disabilities can be as effective or if not more effective um, than others. And you know, there have been instances now where, like, when I when I when I think about changing a job, I actually have a conversation before the job, before I accept. So it's like, what are the these are the accommodations I need, um, and this is the type of support I need. Will you be able to provide this? And that's my and that's a that's a decision. That's a factor in deciding whether I want to actually join that company or not. Again, as I said, it's it's still a work in progress. You know, as you as as I grew in my career and started taking on additional responsibilities, such as like it at Google, I was also doing a lot of external speak speaking and to create videos and also travel to all of these places. I needed support, um, and initially they were not set up to to provide that, but I worked with with the with HR to kind of figure out what's the support I need and you know do a little bit of self-advocacy. Hopefully in the near future, you know, we have enough information for these companies to imp- implement policies and have a basic level of support already available for different disability types. But I I it's still a case where you know your self-advocacy is required. And it's an interesting thing that like you, you find a job, you think that, you know, you're, you shouldn't really ask your employer because it's like, oh, I already have a job. And it's like, I be, if I ask for accommodations or support, I might be treated as differently. But overall, I think it is best. What I found, what I found over 16 years of working in corporate sector is having a uh, being upfront and honest with the and reasonable with the accommodations you need 
is actually best for everybody. I just wanted to also ask you, as a blind professional working, uh, you worked in the UK, now you're working in the US. Uh, how far can you aspire or dare to dream in terms of where you might reach in the corporate ladder? Oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a limit. Um, UK almost had a prime minister who was blind. Uh, yeah, David um, Blunkett. David Blunkett. You're exactly. Yeah. No, but in the corporate world where uh, you know technology and technological barriers are plenty these days. Uh, now Satya Nadella went from India and he is now heading Microsoft. Can a Kiran Kaja actually dream of heading a company? Um, I can definitely dream, and I've seen CEO CEOs of companies large-ish companies who are blind. Um, for Akiran Kaja, I can definitely dream whether I'll be able to do it or do I want to is a different question. <laughs> um, <laughs> it seems like a lot of stress, honestly. Uh, it's definitely doable. I, I think you should, we should, you should always aim big. As you grow, as I said, you need to pick up skills and a support system around you and mentors. Um, I think you need that passion and drive that like, I need to get to the top or wherever I need to go to. Um, I think for me, I would be okay with like CEO seems like a comp, seems like a lot of, a lot, it's a stressful job. So I don't think I want to go that far, but somewhere where I, for me, it's like the work that I'm doing should be meaningful um, and should be useful for you know for people with disabilities technology changed my life when i was a, when i was when i just finished high school um and it just completely transformed my life um and i kind of want to bring that make that a reality for everyone else so let me just ask you another thing which uh, i just want to compare uh, an indian scenario with scenario in say uk or the us a lot of young blind people growing up in India would prefer to go into the public sector or government jobs simply because they seem to be more secure. Uh, very few actually opt for the corporate world. Uh, what is the trend that you've noticed in the UK and the US? Um, for, for one thing, the, that job security is not there as the same. As, the job security in the public sector is not the same in UK slash US as it is in, in seems to be in India. Um, so it's not the, it's not the same level of like, um, uh, same level of interest in the public sector employment as there is in India. Um, what I see when I talk to young people here is, and I tell them it's pursue what is actually like, figure out what you like pursue your interest. I see a lot of lawyers um, coming up, young people taking up law. Um, there are young people who actually go into like music, learn music. Um, and journalism is another area that I've seen. There's always people interested in technology just because I guess like we grow up with this, like these days kids grow up with technology and they, they, they are much more familiar with it. Um, HR um, roles are are active, so th I think it's a good mix of. There's also there's also public sector, of course, but there's not that same level of like public sector slash bank that India seems to have. 
um, so it's 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 a lot more mixed to support our work with the blind and visually impaired you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in please note www.scorefoundation.org.in yeah so so let me just move on uh, you know uh, in india now uh, there is something that blind people uh, are very very um, active on there is an uh, there is an internet or an email platform called access india where uh, there are close to 3000 4000 uh, blind educated computer technology users who actually uh, engage uh, it's a it's a platform where people uh, discuss technology uh, share challenges share news and so on and i believe uh, you were responsible for the origins of this platform uh, what actually prompted you to think of this oh that's yeah that's that's an interesting one to is like it's what now 21 years since we had that platform um so this is when i discovered that computers can talk to me and i started using the internet uh over a 50s like a dial up modem right. if anyone remembers those days um and my friend at the time and one of my mentors rajshekar who uh, works at uh um iflu in hyderabad actually said there is actually a thriving community of people using computers in india and they're mostly in delhi and bombay and he gave me connected me with some of those some of those folks um and at the time like i also discovered on the internet that there are like groups for blind people and blind computer users in other countries and i basically wanted to connect with the rest of the computer blind computer users in india we didn't have mobile phones or anything at the time this is 992000 and so rajshekar and i decided why don't we actually start a group for ourselves for for blind computer users in india um and so we went on freelists.org that was one of the first thing and started started uh, this group up and just just i i had absolutely no clue or i didn't even think that it would grow to be such a huge thing <laughs> it's it's phenomenal that like even after 21 years it's still active i i still can't believe it yeah and a lot of people actually see it as a good platform to actually disseminate information i do it all the time uh, and and uh, you know uh, people respond and uh, there are lots of people who are active of course you find that the people who are active keeps changing from time to time but uh, people are active and uh, the group is quite vibrant so that's great and that's a wonderful contribution that you've made to uh, india and the blind people in india because it's a great platform to find uh, solutions kiran um, i was reading and in fact i've read articles that you've written about your activities uh, which are extracurricular in nature uh, you've done skydiving you've played cricket uh, so uh, tell us about your interests and why how do you find the time and what are the kind of 
facilities that you've seen in India, in uh, the UK and the US to pursue these passions? <laughs> that skydiving one was... Uh... I didn't. My, I did not tell my family. I just sent them the pictures, and they were like, they were not happy about that. Um, so the skydiving was an interesting experience. Other blind people said they did it, so I was like, hmm, I should probably try this too. So you know, I think you get kind of you get to go through phases in life where you want to try everything. So that was one of those phases. I tried scuba diving. Um, but I kind of point, found it a bit pointless because like all I could hear was my own breathing. Um, and like, yeah, I, you go inside water and like dive into the ocean. But other than that, um, I try, I play, I have always been interested in cricket and growing up, I would watch cricket on TV because at the time I didn't really know that like radio commentary was much better. Um, so when I moved to the UK, and this is one of the interesting things about the UK, is like local blindness organizations want blind people to be very active physically. So they organize, you know, uh, cricket teams, or they actually organize tandem cycling rides. They give you um, swimming lessons. And they organize like hikes um, and walking trips. And the Berkshire County Blind Society um, in the UK, in Reading, where I was living, actually had a cricket team in the Development League. And I used to play, I played for three or four seasons quite actively. And I really miss having come out, moved to the US, I really miss playing cricket. I think that's one thing that, that, that I kind of, I still have from, I still miss from not being in the UK and India. Um, I think, now I actually have an, another interesting hobby. I've always um, been interested in trains and traveling around the world or like traveling by train um, because of the blind discount we used to get in India. People would actually take me on the trip with them because 75% discount for me, 75% discount for an escort. That makes the other person gets the ticket for half the price. So I traveled a lot on trains in India. And then when I was in Japan, my friend and I actually walked into a trains, a model train shop. It's not toy trains, it's model trains that look smaller scale trains that actually look alike, look like real trains. And I got hooked. So I'm actually building a model rail model train layout of a scene from the UK where the trail track actually goes on a right next to the ocean. So I am learning things about woodworking and foam and sculpting and stuff like that. So I think you need some kind of passion slash interest to kind of get your, you know, give 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 some like for your from your regular routine. Um, and those things keep changing. I tried playing the keyboard, um, but you know, that's. That is on temporary hold, so I keep changing my habit, my hobbies now and then. But I think the the train, uh, the model railroad building, model train building, um, is going to be a lifelong hobby at some point. And I'm trying to make it as tactile as possible, all the buildings and uh, and all of that. So I think um, I also after the pandemic, because we were mostly at home, I haven't been very active. I'm going to take up tandem cycling. Uh, because it's a 
here in the Bay Area, the, the, the cycling culture is very, very popular. So it, I should be able to find volunteers to go with me on, on tandem bike rides. Uh, so Kiran, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, giving the time. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoy the work that you and Ivey does. Um, and I also enjoy the conversations that you have with folks. And so thanks for the opportunity. This podcast was brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation. Yeah, Roshani, 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 got